All right. Good morning. I feel like I'm yelling at you. That was really loud up here. Am I yelling? So calm down. Happy Father's Day. Good to see all of you back at you, right? You doing good? All right. Y'all going to be quiet today? All right. You can talk back. Happy Father's Day to everyone. So good to be with you. I, I woke up this morning and I was thinking to myself, how many amazing fathers are in this church? I was just, I, my mind just went to about three dozen of you that I know who are exceptional fathers. And I just want to say thank you for bringing the spirit of fatherhood, the blessings of fatherhood into the church with you. You're not only a blessing to your family at home, you're a blessing to this congregation. Thank you for carrying the calling and the spirit of dad with you all every day of your life. Can we again honor our fathers and say thank you again for the way you loved us, served us. It is my, I think it's the favorite thing that I get called is dad. And uh, Abram and Callie still call me dad. They still give me hugs and they're grown, they're old now, older. And, but it's, I just, it's been such a joy to be their father. And so again, happy Father's Day. Turn your Bible to 1 John chapter five today. On this Sunday, Father's Day, we're gonna wrap up our series in 1 John. We've been walking our way through this beautiful letter. John wrote this letter to a very troubled church, a church that was under tremendous persecution, a church that was being rattled at their core with false ideology, with false theology. People were leaving the church because of their disagreements over theology. And John was troubled by this. John, it upset John when he heard what was happening in multiple churches around the Mediterranean region. And so he sat down by the power of the Holy Spirit and crafted this letter and sent it to the people that he loved, who he admired, who he cherished. And we've been seeing some common themes throughout this book, love one another, stay committed to one another, discern the spirits, understand what sin is and what sin is not. And in 1 John chapter five, he wraps up the letter with a charge with a command. He gives us a command to pray. And so today I wanna to talk to you about the power of a praying people. And I wanna say this, and I'm not saying this, uh, this is not hyperbole, I'm not trying to say things just to shock you. But the greatest threat to our nation today is a prayerless church. Make no mistake about it. Our nation, our city, our families, our communities, our neighborhoods need a praying people. And I am here today to stir up in you, to call back into life a passion and a fervency and a desire to pray like you've never prayed before. I am finding myself in these last few months, last few years as I'm watching things unfold around us, I'm finding myself in travail, in intercession, in prayer throughout the day, I find myself entering into intercessory prayer on behalf of people that I know on events that are unfolding. And I'm asking you today, New Life Church, would you call yourself, would you allow the Holy Spirit today to call you back into a place of prayer? I'm, I'm concerned for the church around the world right now that we've lost our fervency. We are posting more than we're praying. And I'm asking you to pray a, a lot more than you post. I'm asking you to come back into your private chamber, into your private closet, on your drive, and to fall on your face, to get on your knees, and to call upon the name of the Lord. And here's what's going to happen. God is going to respond. We're going to see an outburst, an outpouring, an outbreak of the Holy Spirit when God's people 
begin to call on his name again. That's what I'm here to talk to you about today. Are you okay with that? Say amen. amen. If you're not okay with that, just sit still. You'll like it in a minute, okay? First John chapter five, in verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So let's stop here for a moment. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the church. He's writing to God's people. He's writing to the saints. He said, I'm writing to you those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, save the word anything with me, anything. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I wanna stop here just for a moment and make a, a, a point that I hope you never forget. God has heard every one of your prayers. That's good news, by the way. I expected at least one, maybe three amens, a golf clap would be good there. Listen, I know this is, this is the reason I'm saying this is because the enemy wants you to believe that you're calling on a God that doesn't care about you. That maybe you're calling on a God who is distant from you. He's, you're, that you're calling on a God who has more important things to do than to hear your prayers. And I just wanna remind you, John is reminding the church that he hears us. And if, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. I may cough a bit, <coughs> so I'm okay now. All right, since we're pray, uh, talking about prayer today, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come before you today because you said that we should come before you. And we pray today because you ask us to pray. You want us to pray. You desire for us to come before you with our request. So today we come and we ask today that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would give us a holy imagination to understand what you're saying to us. I pray that these scriptures would penetrate our heart, our mind, our soul, that you would awaken us, that you would stir us. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said amen. amen. Listen, prayer was a big deal to Jesus. Jesus referred to prayer 42 times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 42 times. Jesus talked about prayer and he, and the gospels record him personally praying 28 different times. So let me ask you this, if Jesus, the son of God, the perfect man God, if Jesus was a praying man, we should be a praying people. Jesus found himself calling upon the name of the Lord. Some of those iconic prayers have changed the world. Not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Don't, don't if it's your will, take this cup from me. All these prayers that we know that Jesus prayed. And, and so for the last 2,000 years, the body of Christ has understood that the church is most alive. The church is most powerful when it is praying. In fact, it is one of the greatest weapons we have. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And there's not a greater weapon that we have in our spiritual arsenal than the power of prayer. John Wesley, who he and his brother Charles started the Methodist movement, he says, God does nothing on the earth 
save an answer to a believing prayer. Now, I don't know if I agree with all of that, but here's what he was saying. He was saying, listen, God wants us to pray. God needs us to pray. God is asking us to pray. He's asking us to come into his presence. So I wanna show you a few things about this passage that we just read out of 1 John today. And here's the first one, and some of this is gonna sound so simple, but it's not, it's complex. The first thing I want you to catch is that God wants us to come near him. Let me ask you a question. Let me tell you why this is such a big deal for us to talk about this. Most people that I know who are leading prayerless lives are overwhelmed by guilt and sin and shame. And they've convinced themselves that God does not, does not want them to come near until they cleaned up their act. When actually that's the exact opposite happens in the scripture. I want you to think about what Jesus said about sin and about shame and about embarrassment. He says, I stand at the door and knock. I'm standing at the door of your messy house and I'm knocking at your door. This is Revelation three to the church of Laodicea. He's saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone would hear my voice and open that door, he says, I will walk right in. Listen, I've, some of you here today, maybe you had a, a rough week. And the last thing you want your pastor talking about today is holy prayer. You just, you just wanna get through this because you're feeling embarrassed, you're feeling ashamed, you're feeling beat up. Listen, you're the very person that God's calling close to him today. The very people that feel the most guilt, the most shame, the most embarrassment are the very ones that the Holy Spirit today is trying to break through. And he's, listen, here's what happens. He's putting his arms out like this. He wants to wrap his arms around you and draw you close. One of my favorite passages of scripture, you've heard me teach on it scores of times is Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And the wayward son has gone out and he has committed all kinds of sin. He is filthy, he's disgusting, he smells bad, he looks bad, he is at his lowest point in his life. And he decides one day as he is feeding the pigs to turn his face toward his father's house and start walking home. You know what happens? The father sees him on the front porch. And instead of the father waiting on the porch with his arms folded, the father runs out. The Bible says that the father lifted up his skirt and lifted up his pants and ran toward him and grabbed him and embraced him. Listen, this is the image I want you to never forget about God. God's not waiting for you to get your act together before he wants to embrace you. God wants to embrace you at your lowest point, at your most messy condition. That's the God that we serve. James chapter four, verse eight, this is a brother of Jesus. James says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Listen, I'm asking you today to take one step. Would you just turn your life, your heart, your mind, your attention toward the goodness of God today on this Father's Day? Let me remind you that we have a father that's not mad at you. We, don't have, we have a father that's not ashamed of you. We have a father that wants to have a conversation with you. We don't have a father that's turned his back on you. We have a father that's moving towards you. And in fact, we have a father that will continue to chase you down until your last breath. He is the hound of heaven. He is going to chase you. He is going to pursue you. He's going to come near to you. He is not going to give up on you. If you agree with that, somebody say amen. So God wants us to come near. And then here's the second thing I want you to catch today out of 1 John. 
Prayer is asking, making requests. First John 5, verse 14 says, if we ask, ask. We, we come near to God and say, Father in heaven, I'm asking something from you today. This week I was asking something from the Lord. I was praying over my children. I was praying over Pam and Abram and Callie and there are things in all three of their lives that I'm asking God to do. I'm asking God on their behalf. I am making requests to God for Pam, for Abram, for Callie. I prayed over you this week. I began to call on the name of the Lord for New Life Church, said, Father in heaven, these are the best people I know. And I pray over them today that the peace of the Lord would settle over their homes, over their apartments. I pray today that the joy of the Lord would overtake the people of New Life Church. I pray today for the people who are making decisions at New Life Church, that they would be consumed with wisdom, that wisdom would descend upon the people of New Life Church, that they would find themselves, if they find themselves in troubling situations, I pray by the power of the Spirit, just like that, you would break through and help them understand the mind of Christ. That's asking. If we ask, listen to what Jesus said about this. Matthew 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Listen to this. For everyone who, what? Ask. You've got to ask. You've got to make the request. Listen, I know people have said to me, well, Pastor Brady, doesn't God know what I need? Yes. Why then do we have to ask? Because God wants us. Listen very carefully. This is very, very good what I'm about to say to you, right? This is worth you getting up and coming to church, what I'm about to say to you. Why, if God knows what I need, if God is already aware of my needs, why do I have to ask? It's a great question. Because God wants us to acknowledge that we need him. Are you catching this today? God wants us to admit, Father in heaven, I know you already know this. I know you're already aware of the diagnosis the doctor has given me. I know you're already aware that my son, my wife, my daughter is a prodigal, they're far away from you. You already know all those things, nothing is hidden from your sight. You know the number of hairs on my head and the ever-decreasing number every day. You know that number though. But Father, I'm here today to acknowledge that you are Christ. You're the Lord of my life. I am the sheep of your pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. And Father, today I'm asking because I'm here to acknowledge that you are the one who can make this happen. You are the one with the power to make these changes. Father, I'm asking because I love you and I believe in you. We ask for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Listen, there are doors that God wants to open for you, but you've got to knock. You've got to ask. You need to seek. Listen to these three words, ask, seek, knock. Those are aggressive verbs. Those are, those are active verbs. It requires movement. It requires our voice. Listen, I want you to get into a habit of praying out loud. A lot of people say, well, Pastor Brady, I have a quiet prayer. I pray quietly before the Lord. Those are thoughts. I'm talking about prayer is lifting your voice. A, a little volume's not going to offend anyone, especially if you're praying for them. 
Pray out loud over your children. Your children, listen, dad's in the room. Your children need to hear your prayers. Your wife needs to hear your prayers. Mom's in the room. Listen, your children need to hear you praying. One of the great memories that I have growing up is my mom, she was, had an ungodly uh, habit of getting up at like 4 a.m. And listen, when you're a teenager, and we lived in small houses, we were poor people, so we lived in small houses, and I had a praying mom that would get up at like at 4, 4.30 in the morning and pray out loud. She was a Pentecostal woman. She was a charismatic woman. There was nothing quiet about the prayers in my house. 4 a.m., I could hear my mom in the, in the room calling on the name of the Lord for her son who had a hangover in the other room. I could hear her calling on my name. I heard her mention my name a thousand times. And I would listen to her pray over me. Listen, you can't escape godly conviction when your mama's praying in the other room. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit coming in my bedroom and waking me up and doing business in my heart. Why? Because I had a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled mama in the other room calling on the name of the Lord on my behalf. I'm here today as your pastor because I had a praying mama. I'm here today as your pastor because my mom had the courage to pray when she had no evidence that it was working in my life. Don't wait on evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You need to knock on the door. The reason some of the doors are not opening for some of you is you're not knocking. Be aggressive. Listen, here's here's what I want you to remember about this. Prayer puts us on offense. I am not on the, I'm not on the back of my hills. The culture that we're living in today is dark and corrupt, but I'm not playing on the back of my hills. I am not on defense. I'm on offense. I'm not, I'm not retreating. I'm a, I am advancing. I'm, I'm not shrinking back. I'm moving forward. And you'll never have a life like that if you lead a prayerless life. Prayer puts me on offense. Listen, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against my home because I am not going to lead a prayerless life. The gates of hell will not prevail against this church because we are a praying church. It puts us on offense. You have to ask. Here's the third thing I want you to catch today. Am I preaching good enough for you this morning? I'm just telling you, (laughs) I don't preach things that I don't believe. I don't preach things that I don't live. And I grew up in a praying house. I have belonged all my life to praying churches. I've been a praying man for 40 years. And I'm telling you, what I'm telling you today works. You want, your, you want your marriage to change, you want your home to change, you want your neighborhood to change, you cannot skip prayer. Prayer is not the last resort, it's the first thing we do. It's the first thing. Here, here's the second thing out of 1 John. John made a very clear point. Knowing God's will means knowing God's ways. Listen, some of you are praying prayers that are never going to be answered. <laughs> You know why? Because you're not praying according to God's will. But when you know the nature of God, listen very carefully, when you know who God is and you know what God does and you know his nature, when you know God, you will know how to pray. Listen to what John says. He says, if we ask anything, and listen, this is a big, broad ocean that I'm describing here today. God's will is massive. 
It is expansive. It's extravagant. It's extraordinary. But you have to know who God is or you'll never know how to pray according to his will. Listen, my, my, my kids know this very carefully about me. They know who I am. So when we come home today, after dad preaches twice, after I'm here most of the day, they know that dad is not going to go do a lot of things this afternoon. That the spirit of nap is going to come upon me today. So my kids are gonna come over today and they know here's what's going to happen. There will be some sporting event on the television. We will eat mass amounts of protein and dad's going to take a nap. They, why do they know that? Because that's dad's nature. So they're not gonna ask something from me today that they know it's not in my nature to give them today. They know my nature, so they know the requests they can make of me today, and they know the things they better not bring up today. Right? This is what God says when you pray to him, do you know the God you're praying to? Do you know his nature? Do you know why he does things? Do you know how he does things? Listen, we pray better prayers when we know God's nature. Now, let me show this to you, okay? This is when Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Listen to what he says in Matthew 6. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, why is he, he said, when you pray, come before the Father and say, Father in heaven, your will be done. A lot of people pray for their will to be done. I'm not asking for my will to be done. I'm asking for his will to be done for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the question. This is how you frame every prayer you pray from this point forward, frame it with this question. Lord, what are you doing on the earth right now and how can I cooperate? Listen, do you know that there's holy work going on in your spouse right now? There may not be any evidence to point to it. <laughs> in fact, there may be evidence to the exact opposite. Say, God ain't at work in that person. I can tell you right now, God is not at work in there. <laughs> listen, there, listen this, this is very carefully understand this. Every human being on the planet right now who is taking in breath, God loves them. God is working on them. Do you know that? It doesn't matter who it is. God is the one who knit them together in their mother's womb. The reason every eight billion people on the planet today are drawing in breath is because of God's goodness on their life. They may be evil, they may be perverse, they may be sinful, that, 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 that's true. But it does not mean that God is not working in the hidden spaces of their mind, their heart, and their soul. Even though there's no evidence that you can see, God is at work in every human being that you know. So when I pray for you, I say, Father in heaven, I don't know all that you're doing in their lives. I, I, in fact, I don't see any evidence at all on the outside that you're up to much. But I do believe that you have a will and a design and a purpose for their life. So Father in heaven, what are you doing in their lives right now? And how can I come alongside you and help that come to fruition? How can I come alongside my children when I don't see God doing the things that I've asked him to do quite yet? But I know, Lord, that you love them. 
I know, oh God, that you're moving in the internal recesses of their soul. So what are you doing and how can I cooperate? What are you doing in my marriage and how can I cooperate? What are you doing in my children, Lord, and how can I cooperate? What are you doing in my heart that I can't even see? See, this is a dangerous prayer. This is a prayer that nobody wants to pray because you're afraid of the answer. Let me tell you, if you'll have the courage to pray that prayer first, you'll pray differently for everyone else around you. If you'll let God start doing holy things inside your life, if you'll start letting him mess up your hair a little bit, then when you start praying for all the other sinners out there, it'll change the, the way you pray, the tenor of your prayers. What are you doing in my heart and how can I cooperate? Father, what are you doing in the city right now? How can I cooperate? I know Pastor Brad mentioned this a moment ago, but I just wanna tell you this. 11 years ago, we began to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in the city and how can we cooperate? And we immediately discovered that there were probably around 1,500 single moms in our city. And that number could be as high as 2,500. But there's at least 1,500 single moms in our city that do not have a home. They're in some, they're in some phase of homelessness right now. 1,500 single moms. Now that is an overwhelming number and it's extremely expensive to solve that problem. So we said, Lord, just whatever you give us, we're going to use that to start helping solve this problem. As of today, we've helped 70 moms come out of homelessness in our city, 70. 70 moms have exited homelessness. They are on, they're on very little government support, they are working, they have permanent housing, they're in a place of saving. 70 families have happened because we asked that question. And then you say, Lord, what do you think I should do? This is such a great question when you're praying, Father in heaven, what do you think I should do? You see, what I'm doing in, in this moment of prayer is I'm surrendering myself. I'm humbling myself before the Lord. I'm not coming before God saying, Father in heaven, I got it all figured out. If you would just help me out a little bit, I think I could solve most of this. That's how most of our prayers sound to the Lord. Instead, I come before God and say, Father in heaven, I'm, a, I'm like a child before you. I come with my hands like this, Father in heaven, I'm a child before you. I, I give me today my daily bread. Help me today understand what I should do. And I'm telling you all this because I wanna tell you one last thing today. God answers prayers. I don't know if you know this or not. God answers prayers. God will move on your behalf. God, listen, we often ask far too little when he's able to do so much. We're not asking enough. We're not asking for the bold thing. When was the last time you prayed out loud and you prayed for something so bold that it scared you a little bit? You felt a little nervous even bringing it up. This happened in our church just a year and a half ago in an elders meeting. We had almost $10 million of debt and one of our elders said, hey Brady, I've been praying. And I feel like the Lord says we're going to be debt free very, very soon. Now that scared me when he said it out loud because I'm the one that has to stand on the stage and ask you to give. And listen, by the way, we have plenty of money at New Life that's just still in your pocket. I'm just telling you, we got plenty. <laughs> so I'm the one that has, I'm joking with you, y'all are very generous. But I'm standing here today saying, I have to get up and I have to say, Father in heaven, I have to hear that for myself. 
And I begin to pray, I begin to intercede. And the Lord said, ask, seek, knock. I want that door to be open. So I have to get up in front of you and say, Father, and have the Lord has spoken to us. God has called us to be a debt-free church so that we can be wildly, extravagantly generous to the world around us. That's the reason we need to be debt-free. And I believe that the distinctive feature of Christian prayer is the certainty of being heard. I know that when I pray, God hears me. God's moving on my behalf. I wanna tell you one Father's Day story. And I've told you like bits and pieces of this story, but I've never told you the whole story. Pam and I, when we were a married, young married couple, discovered we couldn't have children. And I've told you the miracle story of how Abram came into our life, a single mom in our church, six months pregnant, came to us and said, would you adopt Abram? And we said, yes. And Abram came into our, our world. But almost immediately after Abram came to our house, the Lord began to tell me very specifically. I remember morning after morning, the Lord would wake me up at like at five, 5.30, early in the morning. And I would be in the little, little house that we lived in at the time in Amarillo, Texas. It had a little, there was a couch. It was a, like a used couch. It was like one of our in-laws had give, or given us this couch. So it was not, a, but it was my prayer place. And, we, and I would kneel down at, the, at, at, the, at this sofa, this couch. And I would begin to call on the Lord and the Lord said, pray for a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. Now I have reddish hair and Pam and I both have blue eyes. It's like, well, maybe he's gonna give us a biological child. Maybe that would look like us. He goes, no, I want you to pray right now, Brady. Pray right now for a little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. And so for two years, almost every morning, with sometimes with travail, with intercession, with tears, I would pray, Father in heaven, I don't know why you keep asking me, but I'm asking you today, Lord, I'm praying for this little girl with red curly hair and blue eyes. And then out of nowhere, a 19 year old single mom who already had one child calls us and said, would you meet us at the mall? It was a Sunday afternoon and it was in October, late October. And would you meet us in the food court at this mall in Amarillo, Texas? I said, sure, I don't know. I, mean, it was, I knew her family, but I did not know this girl. So Pam and I walk into the food court and there's this little girl, she's 19 years old. She's almost nine months pregnant. She has red hair, she has blue eyes, which is a very rare combination, by the way. She's sitting in the food court and she says, I'm, I'm giving birth in three weeks. And I, I, I realized I cannot raise this child. And I heard that you've adopted a little boy from another woman in your church. Would you consider adopting this child? She says, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. I haven't even found that out. I've been getting prenatal care, but I don't know the sex of this child. I'll say, I, I know what it is. I said, it's a little girl and she's gonna have red curly hair and blue eyes. And she said, well, this child belongs to you if you want it. And I said, we'll pray about it, yes. <laughs> Three weeks later, on a Sunday night, I remember that because I was watching the Cowboys lose again. <laughs> Sunday night football, I was in my jammies. We got the phone call, she's in labor, get to the hospital. We got our clothes on, went to the hospital. That baby was born, out came Callie. And she had 
bald head, but blue eyes. And about two years later, hair began to come out and it was red curly hair with blue eyes. And what, what I heard on the backstory was when that mom found out she was pregnant, she immediately wanted to get rid of the child. She already had a baby. She wanted to go to college, so abortion was an option. So why, a year before she got pregnant, I had prayed a year's worth of prayers over that child. And the entire time that she's carrying Callie, without me knowing about it, I was praying, Father in heaven, I don't know who this little girl is with red curly hair and blue eyes, but I'm calling on the name of the Lord. Listen, I'm asking you today to consider something. Is it possible that God wants to hear your prayers and answer your prayers more than you can imagine? Is it possible that you have powerful prayers locked up inside of you and God's calling them out today? God's calling them forth today. Would you stand with me this morning? I know I've gone a little long, but I wanna share that with you today. I hope that I've stirred something in you today, stirred something in me. I needed to preach that message to myself. So I don't know if you got anything out of it. I needed it. I needed that for me. Would you just close your eyes with me for a moment? Those of you who serve communion, come on down. We're gonna to come to the table of the Lord in just a moment. All the, those of you who serve, come on down. We just lift our hands before the Lord and I want you to pray a prayer of faith, whatever it is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So as we worship together, as we call on the Lord, we're gonna come and worship together in just a moment and then Pastor Brad's gonna lead us to the table of the Lord. But during this moment, in these next few minutes, as we're worshiping together, as we are coming before God today, I want you to ask, I want you to seek, I want you to knock. I want you to go on offense this morning. I want you to pray a prayer of faith today. Father in heaven, we are your people and we know that you hear us. And so we're asking today that you would hear us today. Would you hear us today? And would you move as we ask according to your will? And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Come right now, the ushers will give you instructions. Come out, come to the table, pick up your element, go back to your seat. We're gonna worship together and then just a minute, Pastor Brad's gonna lead us to the table.